Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. Good morning. It is Thursday, January 11th. It is six minutes after nine. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Rob, there are so many stories we could start the program with. You've got Chris Christie dropping out of the presidential race. You had the town hall from Trump last night. You had the debate between Haley and DeSantis. You were at a Pacers yeah. game and uh, Nick Saban's retiring, but... And Bill sheets out. Yes. So where do we begin? With Hunter Biden. Why? Because there's some fantastic audio. Uh, He was scheduled, he is scheduled to make an appearance in California today. This is on some federal tax charges, but it comes a day after he made a surprise appearance at Capitol Hill for that hearing on whether Congress will hold him in contempt. Okay, so here is the problem with what's been going on. And it is, as usual, it is the Republicans don't have a backbone. The Republicans aren't organized, and the Republicans are viewed by these people as a complete and utter joke. So let's walk through the process. Instead of just getting down to business the moment they got in there, which is what the Republicans promised to do when they were campaigning in the fall of 2022, the Republicans jerked around for the better part of a year because they're not actually serious about this. They want this as a political issue. They don't want to actually hold Hunter Biden or Joe Biden accountable. Why? Because most of them are dirty too. So, and if you actually solve the issue, then you can't use it and fundraise off of it. So they screwed around for the better part of a year. You didn't have an organized, coherent message. And then you've got Comer out there because there is no coherent, organized, on-point message at one point saying, we'll let Hunter Biden uh, come behind closed doors Mm -hmm. or in front of the public. We don't care. Well, so Hunter Biden used that to his advantage and said, well, wait a second. Mm -hmm. You gave me the choice. Now you're not giving me the choice. I want to do this in public because he knows they didn't really want to do it in public. And because they're so disorganized and so unserious, he called their bluff. Now, he's a clown and a loser as well. But- In this case, you got to kind of give him some credit because he said, wait a second, you told me I could do it in in behind closed doors or in public. Now, the subpoena says behind closed doors, but he called their bluff and the Republicans got flat footed because they're unserious people. Yeah, it was definitely a show. And when they first voted, the Judiciary Committee voted 23 to 14, and that was followed by the House Oversight Committee. They voted 25 to 21. It went all along party lines. And so what's the punishment? Punishment when you're held in contempt of Congress, you could face a fine up to one hundred thousand dollars, and which is nothing to him, right? <laughs> but here's the thing that might stick, and that is the imprisonment for not less than a month, no more than twelve months. But he knows, Casey. So he is facing jail time, possibly. But Casey, he knows they're not going to do that right. because look at how unserious they have been throughout this entire 
process. The Republican Party are liars and they're a joke. They're a liar on the budget. They're a liar on inflation. They're a liar on government spending. And they're a liar on, they probably won't even impeach Joe Biden by the time it's all said and done. And everybody knows it. And he knows they're weak. And they're, his attorney knows they're weak. And he called their bluff. Now, again, they should put him in jail because they issued him a subpoena. He's defying the subpoena. However, I will tell you, if I were him, I would be playing the exact same card here because they don't want to do it in public, and he knows they don't want to do it in public, and Comer screwed up and told him he could do it in public. Okay, so let's review how this whole thing went down. Here he is walking into the hearing, (laughs) and a reporter asks him a question. Our country is a joke. I mean, like, so, and it's actually a viable question. Mm-hmm. Like, we're laughing at this because I don't think this was the, you know, Washington Times or or uh, Washington Post or New York Times or anybody like that asking the question. We're laughing at it. But with him, it's actually a serious question. What's your favorite type of crack? Are you on crack today? Actually, a fair question he should have to answer before he gives his testimony. I did not know that there were different types of I didn't crack. either. Kev! <laughs> I thought crack that, was crack, is right? That, was that an illogical question he I, asked? I have that, not done any research on crack. <laughs> That's <laughs> not my domain. There's a lot of things I might know about, but crack is not one Crack's of them. Crack's not one of them. You learn something every day. Well, I mean, he does enjoy a lavish and sometimes salacious lifestyle. So you're right. It's not an out of left well, field question. And there has been cocaine found in the White House. Casey, there's a photo of him passed yes. out in a bathtub with a crack pipe in his mouth. So no, not an unfair question, even though we're laughing hysterically about it but again i just i can't i I watch all of this unfold and you say there are so many people who are in congress who are attorneys who have legal backgrounds who know exactly what they're doing and how these proceedings are supposed to work and the fact that they have just been so incoherent on where they're going to go and what they're going to do and the fact that they've had to i mean they've had to like strong arm members of congress to get even get to the impeachment inquiry phase they don't want to do this and they're not going to impeach joe biden and just they lied again. That's mm-hmm. what they do, Casey. Well, it was rather entertaining, especially when uh, Nancy May started talking. Fireworks were were going off right from the get-go, especially when they realized, oh, Hunter's actually in the hearing room. Let's take a vote and hear from I'm Hunter speaking. Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on. Hold on. First of all, my first question is, who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege, coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and... M- Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman, um, if, if the, the lady recognizes... If the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are are women allowed to speak in here or no? You keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. (laughs) I think that, uh, that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. 
Mm. Our, our country is run by clowns, Casey. Yeah, there was proof right there. Our country is run by clowns. The Republicans are doing, and you hear this from some of our favorite people down at the State House all the time who spend their entire day on Facebook instead of actually getting to work. Somebody should do something about this. You're the Congress. You're the somebody. Put him in jail. They should do something. How- Hello, you are they. However, not to ever be Team Hunter Biden, mm-hmm. he has a point. Why wouldn't you just do it in public? If I'm a crack addict, drug addicted, hooker uh, using, uh, bribe scheming, scamming, uh, you know, facilitating office for sale, you know, idiot son, put me out in front of the public and make me look like a moron. And for some reason, they won't do it. And so you actually have to give him some credit, and not that he's ever a sympathetic figure, but you would say, yeah, there is part of me. I don't know about you, Casey, but there is a big part of me that goes, why won't they just do it in public? Mm -hmm. He's an idiot. Mm -hmm. Just roast him in public and be done with it. Well, you have to imagine that his lawyers were telling him, don't speak. So No, 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 no. I totally disagree, Casey. I think his lawyers told him to do this. He's not smart enough to pull this off on his own. I think his Told him to show up, but don't talk. Well- true but once you're there if they call the bluff then mm-hmm. then you, he has played them like a fiddle just like there it's the same reason joe biden's been able to get away with this stuff for all these years it's the same reason bill clinton got away with all this stuff for all these years it's the same way that trump got treated the way he got treated while he was president because the establishment of the republican party is actually no different than the establishment of the democrat party they're all in cahoots together and they're not serious about getting to the truth and they're not serious about working for you so Jay- James Comer sounded like he completely lost control of the whole situation. Keep in mind, the Biden White House knew that Hunter was planning to defy his congressional subpoena. They actually admitted that. And then when they actually got to the point where it sounded like they were going to start asking some questions, Marjorie Taylor Greene piped in, and that's when Hunter bailed. Our chair recognized Ms. Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse going? me, Hunter. Oh, Apparently, no. you're afraid you of my going? words. Uh, here <laughs> there he is walking out. Oh. Hunter Biden didn't show up for his subpoena. Hunter Biden showed up today to make a clown show of himself to show that he is nothing but someone that will not obey the law, that wants to show up when he wants to, and sits here with a smug look on on his face and runs away when it's my turn to talk. (laughs) Not only is he a criminal, but he is a coward. Mm. Like he's afraid of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now keep in mind that Don Jr.'s hearing lasted for over eight hours. Hunter's lasted eight minutes, but it wasn't long ago that both sides thought a congressional subpoena meant something. Here is the uh, Democratic rep, Jamie Raskin. Just, oh, how long ago? Oh, 2022. The lesson is, uh, please tell your children out there in America, if you get a subpoena to go before Congress or you get a subpoena to go to the court, go. You have a legal responsibility to go. Unless you're the president's son. Right. But I will ask the question again. So there's the legal mechanism of this, which he's absolutely right. That's right. The Republicans are right. He he should, uh, you know, totally comply with this. He should go behind closed doors if they want. But I will go back to the question. What are the Republicans afraid of to put this out into the public? They have a preponderance of evidence against this guy. They have unlimited evidence against this guy. His computer alone Mm -hmm. is enough evidence to sink this guy. Why are you afraid about having this hearing in the 
public, and they will not answer that. Okay, well, he's off to California today where he's being charged with nine different counts related to tax avoidance, and uh, that should be more shenanigans from Hunter. 17 minutes after 9 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. <laughs> 22 minutes after 9 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie announced yesterday that he's ending his campaign for the 24 oh, Republican presidential nomination. I know. Who, uh, who, who saw that coming? <laughs> Everyone. So uh, he was the most outspoken critic of Donald Trump. And uh, who's going to take his place now? Well, it just shows what a big fraud and phony, not that anybody needed a reminder that that guy is that he's clearly getting out because there's been immense pressure put on him hey i was gonna make a comment hey guy you served your purpose you have taken this to the extreme and now it's a we got to get it down to two people and so we'll find some cushy landing spot for you either if that's on network you know one of the networks or whatever mm-hmm. book deal who you know who knows and it's time it was time for him to go and you know at the end of the day all the bluster and bravado and you know stuff that he spews just like countless times before it's all all you know, all hat no cattle you know as the, the old saying goes and so he's done he offered no vision for america not that really any of them other than probably desantis actually have offered a clear vision for america trump included but guy ran on being anti-Trump and that got him 12% of the vote in New Hampshire and about 1% everywhere else Mm -hmm. and time for him to go and I guess the hope is everybody coalesces around Nikki Haley now. So the big news was even not even the bigger story was what happened not at his announcement that he was leaving but that he was caught on this hot mic and he was trashing Nikki Haley. Listen to this. Yeah, I mean, look, she spent 68 million so far, just on TV. Spent 68 million so far, 59 million by DeSantis, and we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked. And you and I both know it. She's not up to this. It, now, now, I'm not going to make any weight jokes, even though he opened the door for me because I'm uh-huh. a bigger person, Casey. Uh-huh. But. Of course, he's speaking the truth. She's going to get smoked. DeSantis is going to get smoked. He was getting smoked. Mm -hmm. Everybody's getting smoked because the Republican Party is, while not universally aligned around Trump, is overwhelmingly aligned around Trump to the point where if you put all the support of all the other people together, even if they were every vote that is currently not for Trump would be against Trump if you narrowed it down to one person, which wouldn't even be the case anyway, he's still getting between 55 and 60% of the vote it's laughable DeSantis was had an A-plus track record and and not only couldn't get any traction he went in reverse nobody's going to beat Trump it is Trump's time the American people on at least on the Republican side have decided it's revenge tour 2024 and so from our perspective Casey mm-hmm. there's no sense in trying to fight it it is what it is we as good patriotic people have an obligation to hope that Trump can get it together and can run a professional campaign and can stay out of jail and can get the thing across the finish line and hope that he has some sort of vision for America that'll benefit us. I mean, that, that's where we're at right now. I'm sorry. So, so Trump said during that town hall that he had last night that he's not going to be doing things out of revenge or out of spite because he'll be too busy solving all the problems from the Biden administration. We'll get more into Trump later in the program. But the one thing I want to say about the hot mic from Chris Christie, he's been doing this for a long time. 
He knew that there were microphones oh, sure. around. Of course. He knew there was the possibility that somebody was recording him. Did he actually get, air quotes, caught on a hot mic? Or was that his way of getting that message out there that he's not supporting Nikki Haley? Well, he didn't even say anything outlandish. It wasn't like he's like, I've got nudes of Nikki Haley. Right. I mean, or he was something. like, she's going to get smoked. And he listed, she already is getting smoked. Well, right. And he's listing about how much money they've all spent. I mean, he went into that more factual than like, oops, you heard that? That was almost not an accident it, to me. Look, I mean, so when you put those st- stats together, and I'm sure we're not sure what the exact number is, but you're talking well over uh, 150-ish million dollars between the three of them. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it hasn't helped them at all. Now, she has risen, but Trump has not gone down. I mean, just the P- as the other people of Pence and Scott and the rest of these ding dongs who never had a chance to begin with have dropped out. They've gone to, they've gone to her. But he, it's, they haven't hurt Trump. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be Trump. It's gonna be Trump against, I guess, right now Biden. Who knows? But that's it. That is what it is. I don't have to necessarily think it's great for the country. I don't have to necessarily think Trump's gonna be a good president. I don't have to necessarily think Trump's the best guy to get across the finish line or going to do the best for the country, but I'm sure going to root for him. I would root for uh, I'm trying to uh, that bleach bottle over there. If it were Biden v. Bleach Bottle, I would root for the bleach bottle over Biden, Casey. I'd root for my shoe over Biden at this point. Well, here is Chris Christie announcing that he's done. We'll give it a couple seconds. My goal has never been to be just a voice against the hate and the division and the selfishness of what our party has become under Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. It's also been to win the nomination and defeat Joe Biden and restore our party and our country to a new place of hope and optimism in this country. I've always said that if there came a point in time in this race where I couldn't see a path to accomplishing that goal, that I would get out. And he did. And even in his exit speech, he's still talking about Trump. Talk about obsessed. We've got Kurt Darling in the news coming up next with 93 WIBC. There was another hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday and more clashing between Republicans and Democrats. This time it was the House Homeland Security Committee. It is 933 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So this hearing was to examine whether the DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas should be impeached over his handling of the crisis at the southern border. All these hearings, Casey, Mm -hmm. that's all they do. Mm -hmm. It's just one hearing on top of another without action. It'd be one thing if, hey, we're going after people left and right, and we're slashing budgets here, and we're making changes there. Great, have all the hearings. But all we get are these hearings, and there's no action, and there's never any ramifications. Again, Casey, Mm -hmm. the Republicans were so offended by the actions of the Biden administration that they cut a deal to continue Biden's preferred spending levels for another entire year. These people are frauds. They are phonies. This is dinner theater. This is designed to distract you from the totally horrific job the Republicans have done in governance, not just in the past year, but over the past 20 plus years. It's the same stuff over and over again. I'm just sick of it. I'm not interested in these your hearings anymore. I'm not interested in your fake phony threats. It's all, they're just gas bags. They're just people barking into the wind and the bark <laughs> is designed to distract you from their colossal 
willful failures governing this nation. Yeah, it's all one big clown show. And right now they're split over what has caused the crisis and they're deeply divided over who's to blame for it. Of course, it's happening at a time when we've got uh, record-setting immigrants coming across the border, over 300,000 encounters in December alone. And uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, he even admitted over 85% of the illegal migrants released uh, are are just going straight into the country and walking among us with no accountability at all as to where they are or what they're doing. I had a conversation with somebody the other night about uh, the the condition of government, Mm -hmm. and they asked me, does it ever get frustrating for you that the the apathy from the people as a collective on a local level, state level, federal level. And I told this person, and I mean this with the utmost seriousness, I am in the entertainment industry now. And the guy kind of laughed. And I said, no, I'm serious. I said, there was a time where I believed that a platform like this was a, was a motivational, was had the ability to motivate people and affect change. And affect change. Mm-hmm. And it, look, I mean, there is no doubt this radio show is extremely powerful and we get all sorts of people who do get involved. But on a large scale level, the people have decided to be apathetic to a level that I'm not sure how you alter that course. And I'm not sure why they do it. I mean, it doesn't take much to get involved. It doesn't take much to actively participate in your political process. I'm talking outside of voting. I'm talking about writing. I'm talking about calling. People are just not willing to do it. People are willing to spend five hours with the Colts game but they're not willing to spend five hours for the whole year engaging their governments at a, a local, state, or federal level. Mm-hmm. And I have, uh, after eight years of being here, mm-hmm. I have kind of reached my end point on that, and I guess my job is to continue to put the information out there, and my job is to continue to tell people in the way that I do it about what's going on. But I I have long given up on, I mean, that was... When I started here, I was young and naive enough to think, yeah, it's going to be a new way of thinking. And people are going to storm the Bastille. And they're going to be like, yeah, he's right. Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then you realize, no, it just doesn't. You can't. I mean, you just people, for whatever reason, have just decided this level of suck that we have running our society <laughs> is going to be what mm-hmm. we have running our society. Mm-hmm. And as pissed off as that might make me, I can to a certain level motivate pe- a certain select amount of people to want to be involved but ultimately it's above my pay grade so i'm in the entertainment industry now casey my job is to keep people listening and i accept the fact that i'm just going to be pissed off about the end result because people aren't willing to grab the power that they have at their disposal it is much easier to be blissfully unaware at times i've had the same conversation with uh, my husband and even my father-in-law when they say hey how's the job going what's going on it's kind of depressing sure it is. to be informed, to realize the people that are in charge of this country and what they're doing and how they act. Of course, Karine Jean-Pierre, she had herself a presser. She was giving credit to the president for the decrease in migrants at the southern border. Decrease. Which, decrease, oh. which of course is not true. And oh, not the United States president she was giving credit to. No, she was giving credit to the president of Mexico. She said, we 
we've seen the results in the migration of migrants, right? We've seen the decrease. But let's keep in mind, a whole high school in New York had remote classes because the building was needed to house people who came into the country illegally. So what is the president's priority in this case? Is it the migrants or is it the students? And when asked about this, Karine Jean-Pierre uh, just referred Peter Ducey to New York City for his questions. And then he continued asking her. But if a working parent had to call out to stay home with their kid today, isn't this Biden immigration policy literally taking money out of people's pockets? So let me just let me just say, I'm going to actually go back to your first question for a second, because I think I do need to address that, which is, um, you know, when it comes to education, migrants, the economy, the president deals with multiple issues all at once. Mm -hmm. That is his job. Mm -hmm. There are multiple things happening all at once. And as it relates to this particular question that you're asking me about in New York City, that is something that New York City needs to answers to. That is a that is a process that they took. So they have to answer to that. So she's passing the buck. And by the way, she goes on to say that, you know, Biden is working around the clock on all of these issues. Let's be very clear. She's gaslighting you again. Biden has spent 40 percent, 40 percent of his presidency on vacation. He's had just two public events in the past 19 days. You know, he went to Camp David, then he went on vacation and then he returned from vacation and went back to Camp David. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, the legislative session has begun. As usual, this group of incredible overachievers is underwhelming you in every way possible. Jim Merritt will join us to talk about it coming up next. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Look who it is. He was for 30 years the most beloved figure in the Indiana State House. Nobody ever had a negative word to say about him. Former State Senator Jim Merritt. Hello, how are you? Robert, you're doing well. Casey? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, all right, so uh, you still have quite a few connections there in the uh, Indiana General Couple Assembly, friends. and uh, the legislative session is now afloat, and we have talked about this in multiple forums, but we'll do it with you because you were you rose all the way to number two in the Indiana Senate. Yes, I served as caucus chairman. Republican is that as miserable Senate. a job as it sounds like? <laughs> it was definitely at, at times HR, yeah, <laughs> but also um, policy and and uh, it, it was you, you presided over meetings and and uh, I enjoyed every minute of the sixteen years. Did and you not also ever, thirty years? Did you not ever want to be number one? Oh yeah, I mean every, anybody in politics. I've I've said this on this program before. Um, anybody that's in the in Indiana General Assembly, all hundred and fifty of them get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and they see either a future member of Congress or a governor or a U.S. senator or an ambassador. Uh, and, and that's just a part of the gig is that you've got this ambition, you've got the ego. And so, sure, uh, I wanted to be number one. But I, I believe that caucus chairman in the Indiana Senate was a, a valued uh, position that you kind of almost were the father of the caucus where you'd have members coming in if they have a family problem or 
if there's a staffing problem. And so, yes, I, I enjoy that uh, immensely. It's like me. I look in the mirror every day and see a Marconi Award winner. It doesn't mean it's ever going to happen. <laughs> you want people to be ambitious. They need to have a little moxie to do the job. But don't you, uh, don't don't people want them to be ambitious for the state and for who voted them into office rather than themselves? It seems kind of self-serving. Well, in this t- when I started in 1990, we had uh, pink slips that were uh, that we had to return phone calls. We had handwritten letters. We we had um, a different media there. We had the Indianapolis Star. Uh, Robert and I have talked about this before that we have a new media today when it's our friends at the Indiana Capital Chronicle and and, and, and different outlets. Indianapolis Business Journal is right at the table as well. So. Life in the legislature, life in politics is so much different when everybody has a phone, everybody has a camera on that phone, mm-hmm. and and you just have to be, uh, it, 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 I think it's uh, tougher these days because your world is everybody else's world, and you're, you're, you're kind of exposed to everything. And and so life is different. Oh, God forbid they have to be transparent. Well, there's there's a real demand for transparency. No question about it. Mm-hmm. All right. So we mentioned all of that to say that you're highly qualified to answer all these questions. We ask you about the uh, the General Assembly. Um, so they have met. They have convened. They're pretty much void of any big idea. I do find it fascinating, though, that they are up in arms that third graders can't read when they, being the Republicans, have been in charge of education for 20 years. There's never any sort of like self-reflection. Maybe it's not them. Maybe it's us. Well, you know, it, I think there's a I think there's a point in there, Rob. I, uh, Ten years ago, we started working on this reading issue with iRead and, and different programs such as that. And I, I think it's I think it's telling when 13,000 kids uh, fail the I read three test. And instead of uh, this session, I, I, the legislature is talking about uh, retention in third grade and tougher, you know, guidelines and all that. Let's let's try something outside the box. Let's, th- there are approximately 30 higher education institutions that prepare kids to be teachers. So we have thousands of kids graduating from or, or learning right now in higher education. Let's take those kids and let's surge it. Instead of talking about tougher retention law, let's let's Take a look and see how we can use our resources right now. Let's put a focus on it. The Mind Trust does a really good job. Strive in South Bend. We have so many different reading programs that, Casey, are, are funded by federal go- uh, federal government money because there are three three different tranches of money coming from the federal government during the pandemic because there's going to be a learning loss recovery issue after that pandemic. There, Casey, there is a cliff coming in September, a lot like the Medicaid dollars that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. where Indiana is going to uh, not lose, but the the money coming from the federal government, the $150 million or more dollars that we have in different reading programs uh, around the state that aren't in our uh, K through 12, they're actually in uh, Strive, which is Boys and Girls Club of South Bend. In uh, the Mind Trust has uh, I read and whatnot. Uh, we are looking at a cliff that the legislature, which won't have money next year because right now the economy is flat in regards to revenues, and and no one's talking about this cliff. And I think if I were in charge of legislature, that's what I would be talking about rather than, you know, a, a test that, 
you know, that isn't going to help us right now. Mm-hmm. We have 13,000 kids that that Johnny can't read. Let's talk about what we're going to do right now and surge it. I understand that these communities probably try to design these programs to the specific area in which they're located. But would it make more sense to have something a little bit more universal than the 150 different programs that you mentioned? Well, there, there aren't 150 programs, but I, I think you could have as many programs as, as, as possible. But the bottom line is, is that we don't have enough uh, labor, if you will, enough teachers to, to take care of those 13,000 students. And right now they're kind of flailing. And I think we, I think we, we use our resources and, and those kids that want to be teachers and, and it would be good on the, you know, on the ground, boots on the ground um, practice and, and uh, you know, that, that life experience of teaching kids how to read. Well, you know, there's some communities where being a substitute teacher, teacher can pay like 400 to $600 a day. It almost seems like if that's a profession you're interested in, it makes more sense just to be a sub than a permanent full-time teacher. Right. It, it, you know, many times things and don't make sense. that's not good for the students. No, it isn't. It isn't, it isn't good for the students. But uh, again, I think instead of focusing on a, a test and changing that, let's use our resources and try to figure out how to um, take care of the problem in hand, as well as when those hundreds of millions of dollars aren't coming from the federal government, what are we going to do next? All right, uh, real quick, before we let you go, uh, the governor gave his final, mercifully, state of the state address on Tuesday. You sat in many of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, you knew Holcomb for a very long time. You were close with him until you became friends with me. That's Is exactly right. Through yet. I mean, we, you think <laughs> we're kidding when we say that? It's absolutely not. Remember the, the early uh, capital happenings back then? Mm-hmm. Casey, they even invited us into the governor's it, office to do the show. First, it was his first state of the state. Yeah. And then um, right after interviewing him in the in the governor's office, uh, the chief justice came in and we interviewed her, too. Mm-hmm. And all those relationships are gone. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the Holcomb relationship went south immediately after that because that's when all the tax increases. Why? Started. How things have yeah, changed. Yeah, boy, that's... Uh, <laughs> it, but the, 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 we always laugh about that because it shows what hypocrites these people are. They like you as long as you're kissing their butt. And then once you point out obvious flaws and what they're doing, then they just, they hate you. Um, And anyway, I didn't mean to get off on that. My question to you with Holcomb is, when he looks back, so we talk about, hey, never been more taxes in the state of Indiana than there are right now under Holcomb. There have never been more growth of government than there have been uh, under Holcomb. There have never been larger role in government's role in people's lives than there is under Holcomb. He, I think he looks back there and goes, man, I did great. This is wonderful. Look at the look at the amount of mega corporations that are here. Look at the amount of foreign corporations that are here. Look at the amount of foreign workers that are here. Look at the amount of out of state people that are here. I think he gets pat on the head by his donor and lobbyist handlers and go, "Good boy, you've done great." You know, you know this guy. What does he think? Well, I I don't know what he thinks because of my relationship with you. But uh, the, <laughs> <laughs> but bottom line here is. Uh, that speech was about a legacy and also a couple different things that he wants to do during the session. But that missed comma with the Medicaid sure. dollars. He didn't mention it. Uh, no, he didn't mention it. And, and that's going to play a role in the coming years and especially now uh, because it, 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 somebody should have gotten fired. Uh, that was inexcusable. But when, when you're talking about um, Eric Holcomb and being governor, uh, well, let me just say this. Mitch Daniels had an hourglass on his on his desk 
and the sands of time. And and he used every minute looking forward to the state of Indiana and what their what their future was going to be. I expect Eric Holcomb to do that. And and this reading issue and and and, and lots of issues are going on in the state of Indiana that need their attention. And there'll be plenty of time after uh after the next governor is inaugurated, to talk about the legacy of Eric Holcomb. Well, you shouldn't be surprised. I mean, he started his State of the State address with all of his accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And Rob mentioned, you know, bringing... He was very focused on these bringing business in Mm -hmm. and the foreign corporations that are coming into Indiana. Well, this is the same guy who was running around with the World Economic Forum Mm -hmm. and globetrotting and touting that as an accomplishment. Well, I think that's a great legacy, However, I think if I were governor, I would be talking about what happened during the pandemic, how he was flying blind, and we all understand that, but what we should do going forward and help the next individual who's going to be governor, the next legislature, as to when we have the next crisis, when we have the next pandemic, uh, we did this, but I would suggest you do that. And that's very difficult in politics to kind of admit that, you know, we were flying blind and that we, we... you know, we didn't get it right, but I want to help future Hoosiers get it right and make us safe in the future. God forbid anybody be enduring to their voters and say, I, actually, I don't know. I just seriously just would like an apology for the human Petri dish comment. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't be friends and I wouldn't call it even, but I, I just bet. I'd like that one out the door. You can find him on Twitter at Jim underscore Merritt. JWM Consulting. Merritt, what? Yes. That's a new one. That's how you're paying your bills these days. Well, that's not a new one, but that's the first time I've heard you throw that one out there. You might as well. Yes. You got the seven people listening. uh, Merritt in the Morning Podcast as well. Is that correct? Yes. All right. Uh, Find that on Facebook as well. Jim Merritt, you're the best. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.